Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Miel, CEO of Experience Agency, The Blanche. Each week, I bring out a different person from business who's doing some game-changing things. And even when we're in this really unique time of coronavirus and lots of unrest, it's really important to talk to uh, folks from all different walks of life and seeing how they're managing and pivoting and building. And so that's why I'm super excited to have Yvonne Johnson on the show. And she's the president of YFJ Consulting, and the founder of Woke, which is Women of Color in Fundraising and Philanthropy. We're going to have a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Yolanda. Hello. Thanks for having me today. It's great to be here. Sure thing. Great to have you on. So even though the world might be on fire outside, the, po- the podcast still does not change. Uh, first <laughs> question always remains the same. So Yolanda, what was your first job? My first job was working at an insurance company um, back where I'm from in Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. So uh, how old were you when you were working at an insurance company? Well, I mean, (laughs) it was literally my first job. So it was like a summer job when I was coming home from college, but it was still a great way to get my feet wet into the whole uh, workforce arena. Awesome. And what did you learn? And what did you learn that you didn't want to do that ever again? (laughs) (laughs) I learned, um, I learned a lot about workplace dynamics and politics, actually. I was very young, but uh, that meant that I was kind of a fly on the wall because people thought they could say anything around me and I would hear it. But I learned a lot from, uh, from what I knew a lot of what was really going on. Wow. Very cool. And so how do you go from selling uh, insurance in, uh, in, in Nebraska to uh, working in philanthropy? What was that journey like? Oh, well, so the insurance job was a summer job just to learn things and be immersed in the workforce during the summers. But uh, my first actual job coming out of graduate school was to work for an arts and humanities council in the development department in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I had gone to undergrad. And so that journey began then, you know, I have a master's in arts administration with a focus on fundraising and events. And uh, it was a lovely road, a lovely path, because I've crafted a life of two different areas. So I have the music, and then I have the fundraising and philanthropy, and I've always had um, that sort of crafted life. So that's how I ultimately ended up in what I'm doing now with fundraising and philanthropy. Awesome. And what's, and you know, I think a lot of folks have like, a little bit confused. I'm like, well, what does fundraising and philanthropy really mean? Like, how does how do you actually impart that skill set? Like, what what is that? What's sort of like, I guess the best way I say it is kind of, what is your job? Well, fundraising, they're, they're both doing the good work in our society, essentially. And so from the fundraising perspective, it's varied. You know, when you're at a big machine, you have the opportunity often to specialize in a particular area. So you may be the manager or the director of special events or of individual giving of major gifts. 
um, in smaller shops, then you're the director of development and you're wearing lots of different hats and you become more of a generalist a lot of the time. But we're using all of those different avenues to raise the money to do the good work. We're illuminating that path for the philanthropists to be able to make the decision on where they're going to be spending their dollars and putting their beliefs behind the dollars. So on the philanthropic end, it's working with um, high net worth individuals, institutions, and you don't have to be high net worth to be philanthropic. That's one of the points I've really been trying to drive home now. We all are philanthropic in many different ways whenever you contribute um, any of your hard earned or otherwise dollars uh, to nonprofits or to organizations that are trying to, to help. Awesome. And, you know, I think, right, you know, right around this time, you know, I think lots of folks are trying to figure out like, okay, well, well how do I do that? How do I help? What are some good tips when um, thinking and trying to figure out the right nonprofits to donate to, especially in this current climate? Like, are there some good, uh, helpful steps that you can give? Sure. Um, and this is coming from people in the philanthropic sector and from philanthropic advisors that I've spoken with recently, we've really tried to delve into how to help people make those decisions and really doing the research, understanding exactly to what you're giving, knowing the mission of the organization, knowing the financial health of the organization and the track record of the organization and, and fulfilling its mission. So uh, it's really, you know, whenever you give a proposal to a donor, it's really like a, a an investment prospectus, right? They're investing in the organization. So you want to make sure that uh, they have fulfilled their mission. You want to look at the 990, uh, do the due diligence on, on the finances and just make sure that everything is, is going well at that organization so that they'll survive um, and continue to, to do the good work that they're doing. And really, you know, it's hand, heart, mind. Um, Find things that really resonate with you. What do you, what change do you really want to see? And then put your dollars behind that. And then you can rank those organizations according to some of the things that I just mentioned, the research that you do um, to, to know how well they'll do that work. I mean, I think that's, I think that's key. It's like research, research, and research. I mean, I, there's, I think every day a story on Twitter about an organization that everyone kind of got behind, whether it's a GoFundMe, or this fail fund, and then you quickly find out that like the money didn't go to the people that you thought it was going to go to, right. and then that breaks that bond of what you think um, you should be doing, and um, and it, it, it the, the level of trust just goes out goes out the window. Exactly, and so you know that's why it's so important for nonprofits to be transparent and also for donors to make sure they're understanding. And you know, that relationship of communication, especially during a time like COVID and then COVID on top, you know, the, the civil unrest that's happened on top of COVID, um, people have to really stay in tune and stay in touch with each other about what they're doing because with COVID, a lot of organizations have also had to pivot. You know, that's the key word right now, the great pivot of 2020 is what I call it. But a lot of people have had to really change their focus um, and get the basic work done on just human beings and then they can go beyond that. Awesome. And I think I think that that's the key right now. So, you know, it's interesting. So um, there was a really interesting meme I saw uh, online and it was like, what do you call a group of Karens? And, um, and, and their answer was a well-funded nonprofit. 
(laughs) 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 And I was like, not wrong at all. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. You have to send that to me. Uh, And so I love, you know, I think there is this weird misconception about black women in, in nonprofits and what our roles can be. And the fact that, you know, you've created Woke, I'd love for you to kind of talk about like, you know, your experience as a black woman in philanthropy and why you felt the need to sort of create Woke and where you hope to go with it. That's a great question. Uh, well, it all starts from the fact that I am also the first African-American president of an organization called Women in Development in New York the New York City chapter of of Women in Development. Uh, It's a premier fundraising organization for women in fundraising and philanthropy in the metro area. And WID is having its 40th anniversary, and yet I am the first black president of the organization. So that was a big diversity milestone. I, um, it, it was daunting and wonderful because I began to ask the question with some of my colleagues, is the field just absolutely not diverse? Is it a pipeline issue? And it is a pipeline issue. But, um, or are they there and they just don't feel like they have a space and a place to come? And it turned out to be the latter because um, suddenly I started getting outreach from women of color in the field, uh, telling me now that I see someone who looks like me, I'm gonna start coming around. I mean, I was in tears with some of the messages that I received. And so I, launched a diversity and inclusion task force through WID and that's wrapping up right now actually and the final report is coming out. I think it's going to drop tomorrow actually Um, and so we're excited about that and so I'm continuing that work on but I also began to realize that I have no control over the future and so I have to make sure that um, I also continue to do this work with women of color in fundraising and philanthropy um, independently. It's a cousin to WID I say you know but they're independent organizations and woke is that space. It's the space for women of color to come together to be celebrated, support each other, to be changed championed, um, to progress in their careers, but to have this network of each other, you know, it's a place to find each other because sometimes that can be really difficult in the, you know, in fundraising and philanthropy. So just to really connect, it has lots of different pillars from financial literacy, um, you know, on on both sides, wealth building, um, professional development, lots of programming coming up. It has an online resource library that's really, I'm really excited about that, where we can put together all of the publications and research that's been done on women of color in the profession so that we have it all in one place, sort of a treasure trove. So we needed the space and, you know, sometimes you plant a seed, you try something out and the reaction is often the validation. And so that's certainly been the case with Woke. I'm so excited um, because other people are so excited. We have over 100 members in less than two weeks uh, across the nation. So I'm just, and the world actually, we've got somebody in the Netherlands as well. So just really looking forward to this. Awesome. And And what do you hope to achieve with the organization? We hope to create that space for the women of color so that they can be even more successful, to have the honest conversations, to provide some of the tools that will help them to progress in the field, to get to that C-suite, uh, to, to diversify the field, to get along better together as women of color even, because uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there too. <laughs> <laughs> whatever do you, Yolanda, whatever do you mean, Crabs in a Barrel? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like sometimes I, you know, I've seen, you know, I'm having, you know, 
served on some boards and, you know, volunteered. I oftentimes see stuff where I'm like, really? Why? Is it ha like <laughs> this? It does not have to be this complicated, but then right. there it is. Um, so I'm always like, you know, I just want to help and do good things. I don't need the politics and the drama Amen that, to that. That, come, that comes with it. It's really not that necessary. I don't want the job. I'm interested. <laughs> I have enough mm -hmm. to do. Um, and I think oftentimes that, that sort of like dissuades, you know, um, women of color for getting involved because they don't want like petty drama because they do that with their daily jobs. And right. so much <laughs> They have enough Karens and Amy Coopers to deal with on their day job, much less in a nonprofit setting where, you know, it's not for your profit, which is what I always say about mm -hmm. nonprofits. Um, and it's hard, it's oftentimes hard to kind of figure out how to navigate those spaces. You know, a question for you about, you know, serving on like nonprofit boards if, you know, you're a Black woman. Like, is there like a set path or, you know, steps you can take so that you can end up either on like a leadership council advisory board like i you know i think one of the things that's coming out of a lot of this stuff right now is that you know a lot of black women are like you know i'm going to step forward and make myself more visible give myself more you know you know if i've got the money i want to give back i want to angel invest i want to you know really put my money to to work for our communities like what are some steps you think in terms of like kind of getting involved on like the board advisory board level that um, black women can take well i think that two things being strategic about whatever it is that you do now strategic doesn't mean inauthentic just being strategic and knowing exactly what it is that you want to do and figuring out how to get that done and also um just preparing yourself for that leadership role and not being afraid, just believing in yourself and knowing that, um, that there's a place for you at the table. And that's something that I say very often, even though you may not see that seat at that table, you can create that space and that seat because life is also about relationships. So strategy, confidence, relationships, um, developing the relationships, you know, do connect the dots, see who it is that you already know. And uh, th that's called prospecting and fundraising. That's how, you know, sometimes you determine what donors to ask for things because you do the research, you find out what they're interested in and, you know, how, how to make that ask and how to develop and cultivate that relationship. So uh, looking at your relationships, thinking strategically, and then just going for it and, and being prepared and, and making it happen, you know, because most boardships come from being from invitations. You know, you're usually invited to be on a board. Sometimes you can reach out to an organization and say, I'm interested in being on your board. Mm -hmm. um, but, but for the most part, it's by invitation and relationships. And also there are some great programs out there, um, leadership programs and board placement programs that will uh, work with nonprofits to place people onto boards. But that's the importance even of networks like woke because if we know each other then you know I serve on several nonprofit boards I'm about to go on to a couple even this week and now that I'm there I can start making those seats at the table for other women of color 
in those spaces. And so I think we all have to think strategically from the sense of if you want to join a board, if you're already on one, think differently, you know, don't just go with status quo, but think about what your board looks like and how you can make other seats at the table for other women of color and other black women. Um, I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, when you lift, as you climb, you must lift. Uh, and, you know, the party's no fun if you're by yourself. So make, make room so you can bring a friend. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, looking back on, like, you know, what your awesome career has, has brought you, what would you tell 25-year-old mm, Yolanda? <laughs> At 25, I had this colossal quarter-life crisis, actually. So I'd tell myself to um, calm down. There's so much life ahead of you. And to, um, again, to be strategic about what you want to do, experience as many things as you can as possible, but um, just be, be authentic and honest about who you are and exactly what you want to do so that hopefully you won't have too many detours on your journey <laughs> to success and to your future. Yeah, calm down. I think that's a big one. I think sometimes especially younger folks assume that everything has to be done by the time you're 25 or you're a failure. I'm like, oh. Oh my gosh, I thought <laughs> I was old. I was like, what am I gonna do? I already have this, you know, done the education that I'm gonna do and now I have to figure out the rest of my life. And I can't believe that I felt that way. Bless my heart back then because <laughs> <laughs> I only knew. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing. I think, you know, especially now where there's so much pressure and you see all these like, you know, Instagram and TikTok stars making all this money. And I think it puts all this added pressure on younger generations of the things that you're supposed to do. Like everything should have been, you both still solved world hunger, became a billionaire and married that dude who also was a billionaire by your 29th birthday. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and like that, this isn't the real world that we live in. And letting that go, I think is key for a lot of folks where it's like, look, you know, would I have loved to have done things differently when I was 25? Totally. But I think, you know, I always say that, you know, you never lose, you learn. So in all those exactly. lessons where you thought you yeah. thought something bad was happening, it's like, well, I learned, okay, never doing that again. Or two, okay, next time this happens, I'll take this path instead of that path. Um, and I don't think it would have, I don't think I would be having this conversation here with you right now had I not taken all those twists and turns in my career and mm -hmm. you know fallen made those mistakes so you know it really is like yeah I remember I had this whole plan I had my entire life plan up I was 29 I'm like yeah that was done <laughs> <laughs> did not happen and you know what I, I'm happier now than I'm happy now than when I was when I was 29 that was 10 years ago so there you go good yeah and that's life right it's a, it is a journey it's just it's a matter of I think that being just honest about who we are and, and going for it, we only get one life to live. So, um, you know, you have so many things going through your head when you're at the 25 era, you know, moment of your life. Uh, and you still have things going through your head when you're not 25, you know, don't get me wrong, but um, I'm happy for every experience. I have no regrets. I just see very clearly now that it's okay to embrace every aspect of yourself and to, um, and to move forward with that because I had such an identity crisis sometimes between, uh, you know, the music part of my life and the other things that I were doing. 
and you know, I was doing, and, and now it's all come together in a really beautiful kind of way. So I'm just very grateful. Yeah, the journey is always the best part about it all because it's always, it really is so like the um, Dr. Seuss um, book where it's like, oh, the places that you'll go. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and just, and just go for it. So I'm sure that this whole universe of nonprofit philanthropy is probably rather stressful because we're in the middle of multiple pandemics. What are you doing for your self-care? Self-care, well, in the middle of launch period for Woke, um, that really entails, uh, I'm, I'm a person of faith, so that's a big part of my life. Um, and again, just trying to calm down and um, embrace, I have to limit some of my news intake uh, to be, you know, because there's so much bad news out there. So just making sure that I have reliable sources and that I, you know, know what I'm looking at and how to sort of distill that and process it right down into meaningful ways of things that I can do and take action. So, um, so yeah, just getting plenty of rest and finding things that I like to do, um, finding ways to do that, even if I can't be out and about quite as often. Um, and then, you know, my faith is a big part of that prayer and, and meditation and, and things like that. Awesome. And so necessary because it is a very, very stressful time and, you, we have we have to take care of ourselves because uh, the only way we're going to survive is madness. <laughs> so, yeah, and we take good care of ourselves and put ourselves first. Uh, I was telling a friend of mine, like, I was like, write down the words "me first" because you've got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can save anybody mm -hmm. else. Yeah, that's definitely true. And but you know, your environment is so important. Now I am self-employed, so I had the benefit of being used to my environment and my space. Uh, a lot of people, that was a shell shock for them because they were like, oh my gosh, suddenly I'm at home all the time. What am I going to do with myself? So I, I've always done this, even when I was working in-house. People came to my office just to hang out because I had like aromatherapy <laughs> <laughs> diffusers, humidifiers, the heaters, that's flowers. I just brought one, actually. <laughs> See, yeah, it's been, like right now, I am smelling peppermint. And Oh my uh, God, really? I have the same thing going right now. Really? I See? <laughs> I literally bought a diffuser yesterday because I got all of these essential oils that finally came in uh, over the weekend. And I was like, oh wait, it didn't come with a diffuser? What the hell? So I ordered one on Amazon and back in like a minute. Uh, and so then I like set it up last night and then last night I did like this sort of like calming lavender. And Good then this you. morning I put in the, the peppermint to like, you know, like spark up my room. And I'm like, so yeah, so <laughs> We're totally on the same wavelength because I already prepared my peppermint one for the one on my nightstand for, for nighttime. So I'm with you and I have peppermint for the daytime. It's all good. It's all good. Because girl, you need it. It's like, just like, take it down a notch because this is wild. Yeah. Um, so like, got to. Um, so, you know, as part of my you know, series of interviews that are happening during this very unusual time, <laughs> I'm yeah. asking if my, if my guests have a give and or an ask to the audience. So there doesn't be something like physical that you're giving or asking for, but um, uh, just whatever kind of pops into your mind. Oh, I've got something because it's been on my mind. 
Um, Go for I told it. You I'm, re I'm really restless right now. I think that what happens over the next few weeks is really going to impact what happens to, for, for years to come. And we really could be on the cusp of real change if we take the right steps right now. So I'm going to ask everybody um, through some networks and things that I'm working on with Woke, uh, I want everybody to take a pledge, a racial equity pledge. And I want you to promise me that you will take real action. You know, it's education, legislation, action. So educate yourself about what's really going on out in the world right now. Um, make sure, promise me that you'll vote in all of the elections that um, are, wherever you are, your local elections, the presidential election, and promise me that you will do something meaningful for yourself, whatever that is. It doesn't have, it could be as, large or small as it needs to be, as long as it's real, and that you keep doing that for the next year. Take this pledge. It's another, it's a pledge that's going to be coming out in a more official way. I'm just talking about it right now because I, I really want people, you know, if it's, if you're in leadership at an organization, get in touch with a DEI expert, do an undoing racism seminar, um, you know, train your people, listen to your people, champion the people of color, the black people, support them, not just because it's popular right now and I'm seeing all these lovely lists of black owned businesses and everything else, just please let that be the case in another year. So Absolutely. let's not just do it for this moment, but let's really work together for change. So pledge to, to take real action, educate, legislate, action awesome and i could not agree more you know i, I want to see what you people are doing three months from now six months from now and 12 months from now like i don't want to hear about the fact oh, oh we moved on like this is the moment that we all have to like push as hard as we can to make real lasting and meaningful change where we think about things amen uh, and, and say okay let's you know, we can help with mortgages, we can help with small business loans, we can mm -hmm. help with software, we can help with affordable housing. Like there are structural things that people can do at organizations if it, as long as it requires a little bit of imagination and thought process and not just writing a check and thinking you check the right. box. Yes, I co-sign on that entirely. You know, we appreciate the checks. You know, the nonprofit <laughs> but <laughs> but again, there's power behind that check when you really had the mind and the thought and you did the research on where it's going. And when you hold that organization accountable, beautiful things can happen. Um, so, yeah, definitely. There's so many different ways to engage. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, Yolanda, it's been such a delight to have you on the show. Uh, so to keep on sharing quite a while. Um, we'll put all the information about Woke and getting a hot dog with you in the show notes. And, uh, we'll end up, and I hope that folks take this pledge because I think it's so very necessary at this time. So thank you so much for, showing, for, for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. And if people want any help with their pledges, they can get in touch with me. Um, info at yfj-consulting.com. Um, and uh, we're, we're taking all of the feedback there. So any support that you need in doing this, we're here for you for that. Awesome. Thanks so much. And Thank that you. is our show.